we're going to read from the most powerful book in the world, the most powerful book in the world. We're going to be living, reading the New Living Translation. And here it is. So we're going to read this together. Just two verses today. Just two verses. That's all I can get through is two verses. So Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, if we could all read together loud on the count of three. One, two, three. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. You may be seated. And so, Father, thank you again that we are here. Thank you that you're the God that makes all things new. Thank you that you've called us, you've forgiven us, you've adopted us, you've redeemed us. Thank you that we're here together. And Lord, I pray that you, uh, a God who is mighty to save and mighty to rescue and mighty to redeem and mighty to restore, a God who rewrites our story by your grace, by your still amazing grace, that we would hear the voice of God through the word of God and that you would speak to us, Lord, and give us ears to hear. And so we thank you for the blessing of your word in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of the message this morning is Unashamed, that I'm unashamed. Uh, what we're going to do this morning, you're going to get, the, this is what you're going to get this morning uh, for being here. And if you're new to church, here's what you're going to get. You're going to find out reasons why people are resistant to the message of the gospel. And then we're going to find out three reasons why you wouldn't want to be ashamed of the gospel. We're going to unpack that from here. Three reasons people resist, three reasons to be unashamed, three reasons to be part of the fellowship of the unashamed. And so the gospel is about a person, Jesus Christ. And think of this, if you're ashamed of the gospel, then you're ashamed actually of Jesus Christ because he is the gospel. And so Paul here now is going to face his critics, like you may face your critics if you share he knew that he was going to face criticism and ridicule and all, but he was going to go to Rome there. And so he's going to declare his intentions to uh, the church that he wants to come. We've already talked about that. And, uh, and by the way, if you're new to church, you're going to understand the basis of Christian faith also. We're going to talk about that. But Paul now, in his culture, and it's just like our culture, as if people were not excited about the gospel, and especially going to Rome. I mean, Romy's going to get a lot of pushback because he's going to get ridiculed. He's going to face criticism. He's going to get persecuted. He's going to face hostility. And that's just how it is. So Paul's going to get beaten up. He's going to be put in prison in Philippi for sharing the gospel. He's going to almost get torn to pieces in Jerusalem. He's going to go to Lystra. And while he's in Lystra, what's going to happen is that he's going to be stoned and left for dead. Welcome to sharing the gospel. He goes to Thessalonica, and there he's chased out, run out of town. And so he's smuggled out of Damascus and Berea, and this is his introduction to sharing the gospel. And so, uh, but Paul says this, is I'm going to come to Rome, and I'm going to do it all over again. And why am I going to do it all over again? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel. And so we're going to unpack that this morning. Now think of it, that Paul is going to the Roman city. Here he's going to be in the great royal city of Rome. 
the imperial city, this most powerful city, Roman emperors, Roman court, the center of political power, and he's going there, and he's going to tell them the gospel about a poor Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who actually says that he's the son of God and the savior of the world. And it says that he will save the world by crucifixion. And the Romans were like, really? Really that's going to happen? And so they couldn't get their minds around that. They couldn't connect the dots. This poor Jewish carpenter from Nazareth is going to die on the cross. That's going to save the world. And so they had this pushback that is intellectual pushback. And really that's how it is today. And friends, the same is true in culture today that we're going to have intellectual pushback, especially, you know, in different arenas of our uh, nation and universities and all. So we just need to know that sometimes people don't accept the gospel, the good news, because of intellectual reasons there. They don't embrace the gospel. But another reason that they don't accept the gospel, resist the gospel, is for philosophical reasons. And that may take shape that people think that, well, my thinking is I have to reach out to God. I have to measure up to God. I have to be accepted by God. i got to be the best person that I could be to get in God's good favor. I have to, to uh, do good works. And the gospel here turns all of that upside down. You know what I'm talking about? And so religion then is spelled D-O. Like, do you got to do this and do that? Where Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. There's a poem that says, um, do this and live. Do this and live. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting how it went here. I should have reviewed that. I'll, bring, I'll have to share it later because I'm forgetting how it went. Anyway, so, but a second reason why people don't accept the gospel is for, polit, for, for philosophical reasons. But a third one that I think you've encountered in your own personal journey is those that have moral reasons. And they think that if I go forward and I receive Christ, I become a Christ follower, man, that's going to mess with my lifestyle. That's going to mess with some of my favorite things. And so people will push back on that, even though the Bible says that when you become a Christ follower, all things become new. And so the implications, though, of life change are sometimes beyond people's willingness to embrace. And so therefore, they may push back. And so there's those and many other reasons why people will push back and resist, not accept the gospel. Well, we're going to talk about now verse 16 which is a powerhouse declaration and unpack that about why we are not ashamed of the gospel. Here it is, verse 16. He says, For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. So now Paul, coming out of this amazingly religious background, he was a, like a New Testament terrorist, like an Osama bin Laden of the, of the New Testament there, and he is... Uh, facing now the, uh, the prospect of going to Rome, which is steeped in immorality. Uh, and so he knew he would be despised. He knew that they could do him harm. But yet in all that, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And here's the first reason why he's not ashamed. The first reason why we should not be ashamed, it is this. Because the gospel is good news. It is personal good news. It's personal for you. See, it's from God. It's God's life-giving message to a dying world. 
but it is intensely and incredibly personal. And so, friends, we should never be ashamed of that because it is good news. Let me tell you my own story. Everybody has their story, right? I'm going to tell you my story about encountering uh, Jesus Christ, the power of the good news. So I didn't grow up in church. I'd never been to church in my entire life when I was 17, not one time. I'd never sat down like you're sitting down right now, not once. Never even set foot in a church except one time for a few moments and then snuck out and went to the movies with my friend Mike Hendricks. So, but I'd never been to church, never heard a word, didn't know anything. I was at all completely zero point spiritually. And I'm invited by uh, Debbie Danielson, who is really cute. And so I thought, she goes to church. I'm all about church. And so uh, I went to church for the first time to just sit with Debbie Danielson. And I heard a guy that he began to, to preach about Jesus. And I was just resonating in my heart. It was just going off inside me that although I'd never heard it, never listened on the radio or TV, nothing, never read a, one scripture, just zero point, never had any, any kind of spiritual input whatsoever. But when I heard this, my heart was leaping, and, and I just knew that it was true. And so I said, uh, and, I, and I thought they were going to, I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't know what an altar call was. But I thought, I think they're going to do something, some kind of invitation. And I looked around. There was a lot of people, over 1,000 people. And I thought, I don't care if anybody gets up. I'm getting up, and I'm running down to the front because I need Jesus. See, there was the power of the good news to me. It was personal for me. It was like God was speaking to me. So that's my story. You all have your story. But see, the good news, watch, friends, the good news is good news about the problem of sin, right? There's a problem, and no one knows how to deal with the core problem of sin and humanity. But there's good news that there's an answer to it. There's good news to selfishness, which wrecks relationships and marriages. There's good news about guilt, that it can be removed from your life. There's good news uh, that life can have meaning. So there's, there's the good news. There's good news that if you feel hopeless, there's hope in Jesus Christ. See, the good news can change your life, can change your legacy, can, can alter your eternity there. So the good news is not based on being good. Friends, that's why it's good news. It's good news for the undeserving of the good news. Like the teenager I just told you about at 17 that heard the good news. And so it's so amazing. The gospel is not what you have to do for God, but what God has done for you. Do this and live, the Bible says. I'm sorry, do this and live, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. A better word the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. Okay, there it is. And so, and so the gospel is all about that God loves you and God pursues you and God is calling you and romancing your heart. And when you allow yourself to receive the good news of Jesus Christ, it will literally change and transform your life. It's awesome. And so number one, the reason we're not ashamed of the gospel, that it is just good news, but it is so personal for us. But secondly, we're not ashamed of the gospel because of this. It says the gospel is the power of God at work. It's the power of God at work. So for everyone who believes, doesn't matter what you are, who you are, where you've been, who you've been with, what you put in your body. See, when you come to Christ, if any man be in Christ, they are a new creature. 
The old things are passed away and everything becomes new. And so here it is. The power, though, is in the gospel itself. It's not in the slick presentation of the gospel, but it is inherently powerful in the gospel. And so we, uh, we are convinced of this, that God is speaking to us through the power of the gospel. See, we don't make it powerful. It just is here. And so God works through normal people like you and me because it's, uh, the power of the gospel is just based on its inherent, incomparable, sovereign, mighty, everlasting power. It literally means present tense, ongoing, never-ending power. It's a, it's a, a present power. It's God it literally means it's dunamis in the, in the original language. It means God's dynamic or God's dynamite there. So God's dynamite is in, is in the power of the gospel, the, the continual power of God that comes to expression through the gospel. A gospel, watch, friends, it's divine power, divine power which can revolutionize your life. See, it's the power to change you from the inside out. It is the most transformative truth ever. No matter how dark your, your life has been, no matter what your lifestyle has been, the gospel is more powerful than the power of your past. How many people know your, your, your past has power, right? Has power over you, looms over you, speaks to you. And so, but the gospel of the power is more powerful than your past. Perhaps for some more powerful than our addictions, more powerful than our habits, more powerful than, than alcohol. My, a sibling of mine was the subject of not one, not two, but three generations of alcoholism in my family, dating back to my grandmother, Danda, and then my mother, Loretta, and then a sibling that I have in my family, just the two of us. And so after, so I had the opportunity to actually lead her to Christ. And it wasn't that long after that she'd share with me for a long time about her struggles with alcohol. I, we were having lunch in Redlands, and she looked at me and she said, Rod, it's gone. I said, Wendy, I said, what's gone? She said, Rod, I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. It's just, it's gone. Like, it's just, it's like, it's out taken, it's just taken out of me. It's gone, Rod, it's gone. It's and since that time, that was like 15 years ago, She's, she's never uh, been tempted, certainly, but has is, but is not fallen back into that. And I'm just saying, the power of the gospel, friends, can change your life. And here's what I really want to impress this point. We have to get back to believing that there is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to get back to that, friends, to believing that. I think we just kind of get busy and going about life and going to church, and it sort of falls off the radar that there's dunamis power that is greater than any lifestyle that you have, powerful to get you past your past, real divine power to break the power of sin, to break the power of addictions here. See, the gospel is not just like some little surfacey level, superficial paint job that we get. No, friends, look, it changes your heart. It changes your will. It changes your desires and your perspective and changes your disposition and you are utterly transformed by his dunamis power. First Thessalonians puts it this way. First Thessalonians 1.5 says, 
The gospel did not come to you in word only. It did come in word, but also, same word, dunamis, comes to you in dynamite, dynamic power of God. And so the power that meets us in our darkest hour, friends, the power that, that can penetrate the depths of your brokenness. Uh, this week, I was visiting with my son. Uh, we were having a, a heart-to-heart, a heart-to-heart crying conversation, weeping, holding each other conversation. I apologized to my son. I said, I said, part of that, it's just part of my brokenness. And I'm sorry, would you forgive me? But see, God can, can engage and intersect and deal with all of our brokenness. That is who he is. But it is the power uh, of God to, to rescue your marriage, to rescue relationships, to overcome addictions here, and to, to make you a new person. And so Paul writes, if anyone's in Christ, they're new, a new creature. The old things are passed away, and all things become new. What things become new? A new mind, a new heart, a new beginning, a new standing before God, new desires. How about new priorities? How about a new purpose? How about new pursuits, new life direction, new destiny, a past that is done in a new future? And see, it is the most dramatic makeover, personal makeover possible. The gospel brings, friends, total transformation to the human existence from the inside out. And that is why we're not ashamed of the gospel. Who would be ashamed of that? That is why we're not ashamed of the gospel. Come on, somebody. Is that right? Yeah. So it's the power of God. Watch. It's the power of God at work. Saving who? Everyone who believes. See, salvation then, it doesn't say saving everyone who behaves. See, but salvation is something that we receive when we believe. We receive it when we believe. And so to save uh, is someone who has believed and received salvation through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So again, the gospel is intrinsically powerful. That's why normal people can share the message because it's not based on you, not based on how slick you are and how you can present. No, no, it's not based on that. We forget. It's based on the power that's intrinsic in the gospel. When I was in uh, college, I was sharing with my, uh, my roommate. His name was Tom Wolf. Tom was the number one ranked student in the bio site uh, of 350 students. He was the number one ranked pre-med student. I was pre-med with Tom. And uh, he was the number one ranked student in the entire school. Accepted every prestigious medical school in America, John Hopkins, all of them. He was accepted, all of them. Brilliant, brilliant guy. And so, but he was an atheist. And so I thought, I want to share the gospel with Tom Wolf. And my roommate said, Tom's too smart. You can't share the gospel with Tom. He was a Christ follower. I said, yeah, I can. I'm going to share the gospel with Tom. And so I was sharing. So that night after finals, I said, Tom, I want to share the gospel with you. And, uh, and so we, we talked for quite a while. Uh, probably a couple hours. I was, and I was trying to explain the gospel the best like a 21-year-old kid can explain the gospel, right? And then I got bold. I got really bold. I said, Tom, I said, you might die tomorrow. And I was like, I was feeling it, right? 21 years, I'm, I'm feeling it. Tom, you might die tomorrow. And what are you going to do, Tom? 
I said, we're sitting at the kitchen table, and Tom and all his brilliance just looking at me, and I said, you could be, you could be before Jesus Christ, Tom, and, uh, and what are you going to say? What are you going to say to him, Tom, when he says, should I let you into my kingdom, and if I should, tell me why? And Tom and all his brilliance just looking at me, and I took the Bible, and I pushed it toward him kind of dramatically, and I said, Tom, you need to read this. Read the Gospel of John right, right here, chapter 3. I said, Tom, you might die, and you were to read that. So I went off to college, and my roommate called me hysterical. He said, Rod, he said, Tom Wolf died last night in his sleep. Tommy's dead. Tommy's dead. And I thought, just the, the, the night before, before he died, I was saying, Tom, you might die, just the two of us. And Tom Wolf died in his sleep. He got gastroenteritis and died of shock that very night. You see, you can be emboldened to share the gospel. Now, I know that's kind of dramatic, and that's not going to be our, necessarily our story. But hey, friends, that was like my, where my story began of sharing the gospel personally. And so it is personal, and it is powerful. So let us not be ashamed. And lastly, it says here uh, that saving everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. So because of, uh, we're not ashamed because of the possibility of the gospel. Yeah, it's personal, it is powerful, but there's a possibility that it can save everyone who believes. So you never know when you're not meeting one of the everyone. You never know when you're not engaging one of the everyone. So it says not that you have to behave, but you, you believe. You're not saved by your behavior, but when you are, when you believe, your behavior will change. And so it's not faithfulness, uh, of the Christian that saves, it's faith in Christ that saves. Saving everyone who believes. Faith alone in Christ alone. Faith plus nothing. Just faith in him. So saving everyone who believes. says to the Jew first and to the Gentile. That just means like the whole enchilada. Everybody is a candidate to be right with God. And so there's no, there's like, there's no barriers, friends. There's no social barriers. There's no, there's no economic barriers. There's no educational barriers. There's no age barriers. There's no language barriers. No ethnic barriers. No religious barriers. No cultural, there's no barriers. No cultural barriers. And so saving, watch, everyone who believes. Like who's Everyone. How about in the scriptures, the demonic of Gadarene, who was full of demons, and they're uh, just being tormented and tortured there, and, uh, and there he is uh, running around uh, just with, with um, shackles and all, and going into the forest, and just out of his mind. And after he encountered Jesus Christ, it says of him that he was found to be in his right mind. And Jesus would say to him, go home and tell the great things that God has done for you. I mean, see, that's in everyone right there, friends. We don't encounter a lot of demonic, uh, possessed people, but there is one right there that did, everyone that believes. How about the dying thief on the cross? Huh? At the last moments of, of life there, and says, would you remember me when you're in paradise? And Jesus said, and this day I'll remember you. So see, saving everyone who believes, who commits their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe means to trust exclusively, to rely completely 
upon uh, right standing before God. For God so loved the world, friends, right? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him, right, won't perish, but have everlasting life. We need to try that again. Everyone who believes, thank you, uh, in him. And so everyone is a can all of humanity, all of humanity, friends, is a candidate for the gospel, to the Jew first and then to the, to the Greek. So we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed. And I'm inviting you, maybe you have been ashamed, I'm inviting you in light of this, that the gospel, friends, it's good, it's personal. That it's, it is so powerful. And the possibilities to anyone, I'm inviting you to join the fellowship of the unashamed. The fellowship of the unashamed. Maybe you've been ashamed, but I'm inviting you in light of that to do something with what we heard, to be a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. And I close with this, verse 17. What does the gospel reveal? The good news, it's about Jesus Christ. Tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. So quoting Habakkuk 2.4, that the righteous shall live by faith. So how does this work? Like, like, what does that mean? The gospel reveals then how you can be right with God by faith in what Jesus has done on the cross. A righteous God takes unrighteous people and makes them righteous. We're going to unpack that more uh, in a few weeks. The way we're going, it might be months. But, uh, but this means that the righteousness comes from God and is provided to us without any righteousness on our part. It is imputed to us here. And so we receive right standing with God through faith in Jesus Christ, exclusively through faith in him. So friends, God wants us to live a different kind of life, a faith-filled life, a life not based on feelings, but faith in him. We're going to talk more about that. But uh, you are invited to the fellowship of the unashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And so... Uh, if we could stand together, we're going to close in worship, and then we're going to take communion together. And Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the good news, the gospel that is intersected with many of our lives. Perhaps for some of us, it's the first time that we've heard it. Thank you, Lord, that it is incredibly personal for every one of us, incredibly powerful, the power of God, the dunamis, dynamic power of God, and the possibility saving everyone who believes. If you're here this morning and you say, uh, I want to believe, I would just encourage you that Jesus would say, don't be unbelieving, but believe. If that's you with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there anyone here that would want to, by the acknowledging of your upraised hand, say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I want to make that declaration for the first time. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just raise your hand if that's you. In the back, right on, right on. Three of you on the side, right on. Are there others? In the front, I want to make the declaration by the raising of my hand that I believe. Right on. In the back, right on. Many of you. And those who raised your hands, pray this prayer. 
Dear God, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he lived. I believe he died for me, for my sins. And I take him as my savior. And I believe he rose from the dead. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, you'll be saved. And so, Father, for all of those that raise their hands, I pray you'd help them in a new journey of following you, being a Christ follower, and from day one of not being ashamed of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.